Every fertility journey begins with a feeling of foreboding, an uneasy tickle that starts in both the mind and the womb. After seven months with no pregnancy, my husband and I began consulting physicians. Doctors asked questions ranging from how often we had sex to how much hair we grew and where we grew it. They took nearly every bodily fluid imaginable for testing. For nearly a year, the results all said normal. Every day for months, I took my temperature in the morning to check for ovulation. Sometimes I fell asleep with a thermometer in my mouth. Sometimes I waited, bladder nearly bursting, for the thermometer to register my temperature so I could get up to pee. Moving too much could skew my results for the day and ruin my entire month's chart. For most questions, we needed to wait a month to get an answer. Every new cycle meant another answer and another failure. I knew something wasn't right, but that didn't make hearing the answer the answer that told us the real problem behind our childlessness any easier. By the time the answer came, I knew a lot about infertility and what could go wrong. I knew about oligospermia and endometriosis, about PCOS and RH incompatibility. I knew in an intellectual way that our infertility could be caused by a disastrous bodily malfunction, but I didn't expect our situation to be dire, not even at the doctor's office on that horrible day. I sat with my husband on my right side between me and the exam table. We were waiting for test results. Beside me and to my left stood a desk with a little model of a womb, donkey-eared and flabby-looking. I preferred the little womb to the exam table and its much-hated stirrups. I remember wondering how many more times would I be forced to stick my feet in those before we could get pregnant. Three? Four? When the doctor came in, I could tell this time the test had revealed the problem. My mind grasped at a few possibilities. Bad cervical mucus. Maybe my pH level was too high or maybe a bit of tissue needed to be cut away. The doctor paused at the door, taking a last moment to compose himself. In that moment, before he told us the results, I felt a blooming excitement. If we understood the problem, I thought, we could fix it. Until then, we'd only found out what wasn't wrong. Now I thought we could move forward. When the doctor explained what he'd found, I understood the implications. It meant the possibility of no biological children, ever. I sat there and listened, and then I wanted the doctor to leave. I wanted him out. I felt guilt and anger, wanting to take over. Guilt because the betrayal came from our own bodies, so it must be our fault. Anger because all the time and effort and stirrups might have been for nothing. I wanted to give in, react to the news, and react in private. Later, I would feel lonely in my crisis. I would want to know that other people knew and understood the depth and breadth of my pain. However, when the answer first came, I wanted everyone but me and my husband to just disappear. I wanted solitude. If my husband and I could just be alone, it wouldn't matter if we could or could not get pregnant. If we were alone in the world, we could just let the grief take over. I wanted isolation.